Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. It is uh, great to be together with you uh, here tonight. I, too, just want to say, if you're a guest here with us, my name is Jeff, and uh, we're just so privileged to have you join us uh, here tonight. Um, we really hope that you uh, just really feel welcomed in this place. And, you know, our mission as a church, our, really our, our top goal is that we would be able to help people find and follow Jesus Christ, that we'd be the kind of place where you could just freely come and we would help you eliminate the barriers uh, that maybe the roadblocks that are in the way between you and God. And then we would create avenues where you would be able to really find and experience this incredible life that God offers uh, to you. And so welcome. We're so glad that you're here. We're really excited about the things that God is doing in this place and really hope that you uh, really feel like this can be a place that you uh, can call home at any time. Well, in order for me to get to know you a little bit, I'd like to know who I'm talking to a little bit. And so I want to do kind of a very important um, kind of a vote and kind of a survey here uh, about some Christmas traditions. And so... Let me tell you a little bit about it. I'm going to put some pictures up here on the screens, and I just want you to vote with your applause. The rowdier, the better, okay? You can vote more than once per category, and this will just help me get to know you a little bit by the way that you respond, okay? So here's the first one. The category is movies. Here's the first one. It's a Wonderful Life. Anybody out there for this one? Okay, pretty good. Okay, that's great. Classic. How about this one? A Christmas Carol. Anyone? Now, I must confess, we saw this one as a family for the first time this last week, and I really liked it. Uh, It was terrifying to our youngest, but uh, besides the nightmares, it was great. All right, next one. Here it is. Uh, Anybody for this one? Yeah. There it is. What's not to love about Chevy Chase and anybody got an Uncle Eddie with them? Oh, not with you. Sorry. Yeah, anyway. All right, next one. Here we go. Elf. Anybody? All right. That's a big hit. Okay. All right, moving right along, let's talk about food for a little bit. How about the main course? How about this one? Any ham people tonight? Ham? Okay. All right, how about turkey? Turkey folks, okay. Anybody just say, hey, forget it. This is what we're doing tonight, ordering out. Okay, that's got some traction. Okay, last but not least, and this one's near and dear to my own heart. How about these? Yeah, (laughs) these games are great. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, that's not a main course. Oh, yes, it, it, Christmas. Yes, that can be a main course. Okay, moving right along. Let's, uh, let's talk about this. How about uh, fake tree? Any fake tree people? All right. Planners, don't like the mess. Okay, I get it. How about, how about the real tree, folks? Yeah, you got the Christmas, the Christmas spirit. Okay, let's move on to desserts. Here's the first one. Pecan pie. Pecan, okay. How about, how about the next one? Pumpkin pie. Pumpkin? Last but not least, how about this one, French silk. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, Jim. Yep, yep, that's the one. Okay, Uh, last category. Now, I just want to warn you, this one is highly controversial. And I don't mean to start any fights or anything like that. You know, it's Christmas and all. But but here's, here's the question. When do you open your gifts? Is it on the, here it is, the 24th, like today? Is it tonight, the night? Okay, or 25th? Okay, that's good. I've heard that that's the Christian thing to do. Yeah, it's the 25th. I just heard it. I didn't say it, but I heard it. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Your responses tell me a lot about you, you know, and the fact that you all voted so heavily uh, for a movie like The Christmas Vacation tells me I need to tweak my message, you know, a little bit as well. But, but it tells me a lot about you. Now, I want you to think for a second. Maybe you don't know this, but you respond to things all day, every day, right? You respond to actually studies show up to 35,000 things in one given day. You make that many decisions and you have that many responses. 
You're experts at responding at things. But I want you to think for a minute about the power of a response. I want you to think for a minute about a time maybe in your life when you responded with joy to something. Like maybe you got some really good news. Maybe even as you've approached your end at work, you hit the goals that you needed to hit. And that was a big deal for you. And you experienced some joy with that. Or maybe, maybe you have children and, and you have a son or a daughter that said something very meaningful to you. And as a result of that, that brought you a whole lot of joy. And you responded in that way. Now flip the coin the other, to the other side. Have you ever responded in such a way that you really wish that you hadn't? Have you ever responded in such a way that you just, maybe you blew it. Maybe you kind of flew off the handle. Maybe you said some things that you wished you wouldn't have said. Maybe you wished that you could actually get those words back. Things that you would say, you know what, I'm just not proud of what I said in that moment. I'm not proud of my response. I was driving here uh, this morning for our morning service and I was just thinking about this whole idea of responses and you know how sometimes you have a response that's just joyful and you just kind of, wow, you just, you just fall into joy right away and then other times you have a response and you're like, oh, I wish I could take that back and then other times you have a response that you don't even think about. As I was driving here, I saw this, there was this big car accident on Interstate 80 and as I approached this long line of emergency vehicles, police cars and a fire truck and an ambulance and as I drove past the wreckage, the semi had just crashed into the median and as I drove by the cab of the semi, you could tell it was very crushed in and I had in that moment the response that all of us have whenever we drive by the scene of an accident like that and we, particularly when we see a cab that's been pretty crushed. I thought to myself, I wonder if that driver's okay and in that moment, that was my, my response, right? Now, we have those kind of moment-to-moment-to-moment responses all the time, 35,000 in a day. But what I want to do tonight is this. I want us to hit the pause button just for a little bit, just for a few minutes tonight. And I want us to think more critically. I want to give you some time, and I want us to say, if I were to think at a more deep level, if I was to very intentionally give some time out of the busyness, maybe even of this season, to something very important, if I was to make my response very calculated, what would it be? And tonight what I, we're going to talk about is this. We're going to look at the, the story, the Christmas story, and we're going to look at three different responses. And what my hope for you is this, is that you'll be able to walk out of here tonight and you'll be able to go, okay, I can identify with that response that that person had. We can learn a lot from the responses that we're going to look at. Uh, Time Magazine, several years ago, they listed Jesus Christ uh, on the top of the list of the most influential people of all time. And any time that there's a survey like that or a list that's made like that, regardless of who's giving it, Jesus Christ tends to, to be right at the top or in the, in the top few. And this, the, tonight what I want to do is this. I want to take a time out because, because of who Jesus Christ is and because of all that we celebrate tonight, I don't want us just to have a quick response to who he is. But I want us to be able to have an intelligent response. I want us to be able to step back in the midst of the, the, the greatest celebration that we could possibly be a part of tonight, one that millions and millions of people around the globe are celebrating, and I want us to very intentionally say, okay, let's ask this question, who is Jesus? And if we take time out to think critically, not to respond just real quickly, but to think intelligently and critically, I think we'll, we'll realize this, that it's so worth us doing so. Uh, you know, when this uh, brilliant writer and thinker, C.S. Lewis, one time he was talking about the decisions and the responses that we tend to have. And, and he was talking about in, all of this in light of Jesus Christ. And he said this, he said, either Jesus is the most important decision that we'll make in our lives. And then he said this, or he is of no importance at all. 
Either he's the most important decision that we'll ever make with our lives, or he's of no importance at all. And then he said this, this is so important. He said, but one thing is for sure, is that he cannot be of moderate importance. Either he, we're all in for him, he's true, what he said was true, his birth really meant a whole lot, or just forget it, it's no big deal. And so my prayer for you today is this, and, and Rob said this as well, we've been praying, and we've been praying for you. We haven't known all of your names, but we've known where you would sit. And we've been praying even over the chairs that you've been sitting in, or sitting in right now, and we've just been saying, God, would there be something, some way, Lord, that you could just touch people on the shoulder tonight, tap them on the shoulder, maybe remind them of something that they've never known before, Lord, maybe uh, take them back to a place where you had them at one time. And so that's our prayer for you today, tonight, and I just ask that, that, God, you would just give us one of these three responses that you would help that come to life. So one of the things that we've been doing in these services is we've been having different students uh, read the Christmas story to us just to help it kind of come to life. And so in this service, um, and if you would help me welcome them to the stage, that would be great. We're going to have Morgan and Bobby Hockney come on out, so welcome them, would you? Bobby and I shop at the same store, don't you think? We look pretty good tonight. Hey, church, would you stand up, and we'll go ahead and we'll read God's word together. So, yeah, why don't you stand? Go ahead, Mark. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. When they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and laying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to, to God, God in the highest heaven, heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Awesome. Thank you, guys. You may be seated. You know, I was reminded in preparation of this service at just how true it is that a familiar story like that can actually sometimes sound pretty familiar, right? But as I was reading it and as I was studying and preparing for, for tonight, it was just, I was struck by this again, that there are times when you just, you look at God's word and you just realize that God can draw us in at a, with a different angle, that God can reveal something new to us. And that's really my prayer for you. And so again, as we look at these now three responses, I want you just to simply, and this might be a risk for you, 
maybe just ask yourself this question, Lord, do you have just one of these that's for me tonight? So the first response is this. It's from the, the character actually in the scene who I think in, really flies under the radar in a lot of ways. Yet it's one of those characters in the plot line of this story, in this great redemptive story that is so critical, plays a critical role. The character's name is Joseph. And the first response that I think we see is this. It's the response of trust. Look with me at Luke chapter 5, or Luke, uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 5. It says this. It says, when he, this Joseph, it says, he, or sorry, he, uh, Joseph, went there to Bethlehem, that is, to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Now, that's just one simple sentence, but if you know the backstory, if you know everything that happened before that, you look at that statement and you go, wow, there's a whole lot there. There's a whole lot of backstory. I mean, imagine this for a second. Imagine that you are pledged to be married to a woman and she comes to you and she says, I am with child. But you know, this child is not yours. That is not a good moment. But the text says this. The text says that Joseph was the kind of man that he was faithful in the ways of God and he was faithful to the law of God, meaning that Joseph feared God. We don't know a lot about Joseph from the scriptures, but what we do know tells us a little bit about his character. He was a man that re revered God. He wanted to follow the ways of God. And as a result, instead of saying, yeah, I'm so mad at you, how could you do blah, 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 he said, I'll divorce you quietly because I don't want you to be shamed publicly. And I know that if you are shamed publicly and if this comes out, what you've done, you've committed adultery in this way, there's a chance that you'll even be killed for it. And so it says this then in, in Matthew chapter 1 verse 20. It says, but after he had considered this, after that is he had considered, I'll divorce her quietly. I'll do it in, in a respectful and honorable way. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are going to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now in verse 24, then, if you keep reading, it says this. Joseph wakes up from this dream, and what does he do? He takes Mary as his wife. Now what struck me about this is this. Joseph was a man who responded with trust because Joseph didn't know what was going to happen. Joseph was willing to step into the unknown, and he had this response of trust. He said, God, I don't get all this. This doesn't seem right. This isn't how we planned it. I mean, I was engaged to her, and, and we've been doing the right things, and now all of a sudden she's pregnant. Come on, come on. But instead of just kind of giving up on the matter, what does Joseph do? He remains faithful even when it didn't all make sense. And he chose to humbly trust. You know, you might come to this place even here tonight and you would say this, you don't know what's next. Maybe this has been a kind of a zinger year for you and you're just looking at it and you're going, maybe you've been uprooted or maybe you're trying something new or you've taken a step of faith or maybe the doctor's given you some news that you don't really, you're not very excited about or some, a family member or whatever's going on in your midst. You're feeling like, I just don't know what's next. I don't know where we're going to be. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how it's, we're going to provide. And I wonder for you if tonight the word that God would just have you kind of have rest in your mind is this word trust. That maybe God would just remind you tonight of what Joseph did. That he had this response in humility. He said, God, I will just trust you and I will keep moving forward. The second response, and again, just ask yourself, Lord, is there one of these that's for me tonight? The response is this. It's from the shepherds. And i got to tell you the scene first because I love this group, by the way, these shepherds. Imagine it, though. These shepherds, they were, 
You need to know some things about them. These guys weren't clean cut. I mean, this group was ragtag. This group, you could say this, they were often viewed as uh, underclass. They were uneducated. They were unsophisticated. They were disrespected by many. They were men and boys who cared for sheep, who slept with sheep. There were men and boys who didn't shower much. They weren't educated. They had poor social skills. But by God's choice, the angel of the Lord appeared to them. I mean, think about that for a second. The angel of the Lord could have appeared to anyone. Why didn't the angel of the Lord appear to somebody who appeared to have it all together? No. The angel of the Lord appeared to this group, which means this. This is so clear throughout the scriptures that no one is out of the reach of God's love. Nobody. I mean, you talk about making a statement in the greatest redemptive story in human history. God was making a huge statement right here. And what he was saying was this, is that I'm not just coming for all the kind of people that appear to have everything high and tidy and all figured out. So in other words, if you have brokenness in your life, like if you even come into a place like tonight and you're like, wow, I haven't been here in a while, and, well, you know, and you're just kind of down on yourself about that, know this, you are not too far from the love of God. He did not come to just a, a bunch of people that were, you know, faking it till they make it, and, and you know, he didn't do that, No. He came right into the brokenness. Think about this. The angel of the Lord, verse 10, said this. He said, I will bring you good news that will cause great joy. Here it is. For, keyword, all people. For all people. Think about this. If the God of the universe was the type of God that would come in, in humanity, and he would come into a messy and dirty and stinky manger. And he would, he would come in that way. You've got to be reminded this morning that he is not afraid to step into your mess. That he's not afraid to meet you right in the midst of your brokenness. And so in light of that backstory, and in light of who God showed up to, and in light of the fact that the Lord would prioritize a group of people who didn't have it all together, look at how this rough, tough group responded. This is their response, verse 15. It says, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And it says that when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Notice what they do. Their response was one of pursuit. They were going after Jesus. Jesus had captivated them. So much so that once they saw him, they were amazed and they couldn't keep it to themselves. So they began to spread it with other people. They said, let's go. And Jesus captivated them. And then after they had spent time with Jesus Christ, after they had responded with pursuit, and if you pursue Jesus Christ, I guarantee you this, you will not regret that you've pursued him. And notice what happened then after they pursued him. Verse 20, it says this. It says that the shepherds, that they returned, and what did they do? It says, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Again, they were amazed at who Jesus was. It was so significant to them. Now, I admire this group. I admire this rough and tough group because what did they do? They canceled their plans. 
They said, you know, we got this going on, but no, they canceled their plans and they took off and they said, we want to pursue this Messiah. I've never met anybody who's been on a journey to figure out who God is, who's looked back at the end of that journey and said, I regret the journey. Instead, I talk to people all of the time that have said this, that they look over maybe a season of their life, and I can relate to this. I can relate to years of my life where I I was walking away from and far from God. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe for you it's been not just a season, but it's been decades, or maybe it's been all the way even up to this point. But you look back at that time and you say, I've got some regrets in that. But I've yet to meet anybody who says, when I started walking with God and when, now I wasn't perfect at all by any stretch, but God became like the leader of my life. I have yet to meet anybody who says, I regret that season. It just doesn't happen. I was talking to someone last weekend, they're new to the church, and, and this gal just said to me very humbly, she said, she said, I just want you to know, she said, I'm pursuing God. And she said, I just... I just want to know who he is. And I just wanted you to know I'm pursuing him for the first time. And I thought to myself, I admire you. That is a pursuit you will never regret. Get your questions answered because he is so good. And I just wonder if this Christmas maybe God would nudge some of you. He would tap you on the shoulder and he would just say in his loving way that only God can as your heavenly father, he would say to you, you don't have to do this life alone. You can pursue me because I've been pursuing you. That's why I have you here. Psalm 145 verse 18, this is a promise that we hold on to. It says the Lord, get this, is near to all who call on him. He is near to all who call on him. The third response is this. This is the last one that I'll give you tonight. It, it comes from Mary herself. And this last response is the response of reflection. And um, this is the one I think that God has for me. Um, but get into her shoes a little bit as we think about this one. I mean, imagine being Mary. No small deal. She's a teenager, she's likely overwhelmed, she's unwed, and she's pregnant. And that would have been a huge deal. She had every right, honestly, to be plagued by fear. She's been told that she's bearing the Son of God. That would have been a little bit, you know, kind of a little scary. She could have had so much apprehension. She could have been so overwhelmed. Maybe you can relate to that tonight. You feel like, this is my season of life. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what's next. This is going to be a challenge. I feel like I'm in over my head. Maybe you can relate to her. But notice what she did. She didn't go and just kind of be really frantic and like, ah, kind of out of control. But she stopped and she had this response of reflection. And I think if there's ever a time of year when this one is particularly hard, I think it's this time of year. But notice what she does. Jesus has been born and all the, you know, the shepherds have come and and they're all amazed and everything that's going on in her midst. And in the midst of it all, what does she do? She hits the pause button and it says this then in verse 19, in this kind of response of reflection, she says, it says, but Mary, what did she do? She treasured up. She treasured up all of these things and then she pondered them. She mulled these things over where at the core of her being in her heart. She didn't just let the moment pass by. She didn't just say another, you know, well, Christmas, come and go. Boom. No. She soaked in it. She reflected on who was before her. She pondered who God was. 
She pondered the fact that she was about to bear a son, and that son was the son that humanity desperately needed. And when she pondered that, it changed things for her. It brought her a peace, and her words are incredible if you continue to read the rest of the, the verses that follow her. But then it, it, we also know this, and I, I would imagine that you've seen this in your own life. Have you ever noticed that sometimes if you'll just take the moment and just say, I'm going to respond by reflecting just for a little bit, and, and before you move on, there have been times in my life where I felt like things are just going south. Times when you just feel like, have you ever had those where you're like, Lord, what's going on? Like, this is not going well. But there have been a few times in the midst of that where I've sensed that God has just tapped me on the shoulder and said, why don't you reflect about on how I've been with you up to this point? Well, why don't you take just a minute and just think about how faithful I've been to you up to this point. And maybe that will, as you look back on your past, you'll have a little bit more courage to go into your future just because you reflected a little bit. Have you ever done that? Have you ever noticed that like five minutes of reflection can really put you in a whole different frame of mind? If we go back then to chapter one, notice what it did for Mary. Mary said this in, uh, in, in chapter one of the book of Luke. It says, and Mary said, She's reflecting. This is before she's had Jesus, but she's been told she's going to. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And I just want to time out there. Some of you just need to know this, that God has been mindful of you. Maybe that's the only reason God has you here tonight. It would be a huge one. But you need to know maybe more than anything else that God is mindful of you. God knows you. Like he really knows you. And, and then she says this. She says, uh, it says, from now on all generations, she says, will call me blessed. So what, what, is, what is she doing in this moment? She's, she's realizing, okay, this is who God is. And if you keep going through that, she recounts all the blessings of God. Her reflection took her to a place where she was amazed at who God was. It led her to a place where she was worshiping. You know, if you look at what reflection does, oftentimes we see this then even in the story. The angels, they did this. And it says this in verse 13. And I'm, I, I'm really clued in. I want to be clued in. To how do the angels respond to Jesus? I mean, because they're so close to, I mean, they're closest to the divine, right? And what did they do? It says suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel. What were they doing? They were praising God. And they were saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So they went from this reflection to worship. And here's what will happen to you. If you'll take a moment and you'll say, Lord, maybe my response to you is that third one. And maybe, Lord, all that you want me to do is to take a time out in the midst of the busyness. And, Lord, you want me to reflect on who you are. You want to remind me of who you are. Because when I'm reminded of who you are, it might allow me then to say, okay, God, if that's who you are, then, Lord, then I can keep on going. I mean, think about this for a minute. Everybody, this is Christmas. I mean, our creator stepped into humanity. And when he stepped into humanity, this is amazing. I love this. He demonstrated in a way that no one else could the magnitude of his love for each and every one of us. When he stepped into humanity, he didn't do it like this. I'm a king, and you should all revere me, and I'll make you follow me. No, he didn't do that. He didn't come in that way. 
As a matter of fact, he came humbly and he came as a servant. And he was born as a baby, obviously, but then he quickly grew. And where did he grow? He grew, he grew to be a man and not just any man. He grew to be a man that would realize that there's a gap between you and I and the holiness of God. And he knew that we would try to fill that gap between us and a holy God by trying to do all sorts of things. Oh, I can try to earn my way to God. Oh, if I just fly straighter, if I just do this or do that, I'll, I'll have favor with God and things will be okay. No. Jesus knew this. And this is so significant. It's at the core of, of Christianity. It's at the core of Christmas. When Jesus Christ grew up, he was a man who went to a cross, and the reason he went to the cross was this. He realized that gap between us and the holiness of God could only be filled by the perfection of Jesus Christ. And so in his perfection, he went to a cross, and he died, and he paid a penalty that you could not pay and that I could not pay. And so that you and I then could look at him one day, and we could say, through faith in you, I have relationship with the God who loves me. But we can't say this. We can't say through what I can do, through how I can fill the gap, because that doesn't work, because you can never do enough, right? That's tiring. That's, that feels very dutiful. But God says this out of my love and my grace, I fill that gap for you. And that's the significance of this Christmas. And so I want to take you back to those three responses. Three responses tonight. Is there one of these is for you? Is it the response of trust? Maybe you're walking into a time right now where you'd say, wow, life has thrown us some serious curveballs and we are in a, a period maybe of uncertainty and we just don't know what's next. And maybe for you tonight, God would just say to you in his love and in his grace, he would say, I just want you to trust me. I'm trustworthy. I'm good. What kind of God comes in the way that he came and died the death that he died so that we could live the life that we get to live? That's a good God. You can trust him. Or maybe for you, and again, just pick one of these. Maybe your response is the, is the one of pursuit. Maybe for you, you're kind of like those shepherds, and, and God's just saying to you, I've been pursuing you all along, but now what I'm saying to you tonight is, would you pursue me? And maybe the door of your life has always been closed to God, and God's continued to pursue you and pursue you as God does. And maybe tonight, though, your response is this. You open that door and you say, God, for the first time, I will pursue. I will pursue you. And that is a pursuit. I, I will tell you, you will never regret that pursuit. Or lastly, maybe it's this. It's the response of reflection. Maybe for you, you just need to take a time out during the busyness of Christmas. And you just need to say this. I don't want Christmas to come and go and have it mean nothing. But I want it to land. I want to be like Mary who just, she stopped and she wasn't frantic, but she realized how good God was. I want to be like those angels that when they reflected on who God was, they said things like glory in the highest. I mean, they worshiped. Why? Because they took the time to reflect. And so ask yourself tonight, in light of who Jesus Christ is, which one of these responses might be for you? Yeah, let me pray for us. You know, I don't want to just even just give you a moment here. And maybe you just say one of those words. And I'll just go through these three. So maybe you just say this to God right now. Maybe you say, Lord, my response to you tonight is the response to trust you. And if that's you, you know, you can say something maybe like this to God. You can say, you know, Jesus Christ, I have maybe given you the hand with my life. 
and I've said I don't want you in, or I've not believed, or whatever. But tonight, you can just cry out to God, and you can say, maybe even for the first time, Lord, I trust in you. Lord, I trust you to do something that I could never do. Lord, you would die to pay for my sin, and you would offer me your goodness and your grace. Lord, I'll take that first step. Lord, I will trust in you tonight. So maybe that's your word. And if it is, I I encourage you, take that step. Make that your response. Or maybe tonight your word is simply this. It's the word pursuit. Maybe you would realize, God, you have been pursuing me all along. But tonight, Lord, I just say to you, I pursue you. And God, I won't do it out of a sense of duty. But God, I will pursue you because I will be amazed at who you are. Because God, you are so amazing. Or lastly, maybe for you tonight, it's that responsive reflection. So maybe you just say that word to the Lord right now. You say, Lord, I respond by reflecting on who you are. Lord, I don't want this just to pass. I don't want to just get caught up in all the things I have yet to do tonight and tomorrow and miss you. And so God, even in this moment as a church, Lord, we stop and we just say, God, you are so incredibly good. And we thank you that you would come and that you would, you know, dwell with us. And then ultimately you would die for us. God, we praise you for that. Lord, we love you and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.